soulmates of the podcast. <sighs> Welcome to another episode of Mind Body Musings. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and today I'm going to be talking with you about a topic that is coming up for me recently, most likely because enough time has passed for me to be able to reflect and to see all the bountiful lessons that were in these experiences that I had and I feel that it's a really it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't bring this into the podcast to talk about um, some of these things that the universe did with me and for me and uh, through me and and in regards to relationships how those experiences have taught me so much about personal sovereignty And before we go into that, I want to talk about something that was in last week's episode. So last week, we talked about manifestation. And if I'm being completely honest, which I always am, manifestation is not my favorite topic. What I do love is the women who who I talk about manifestation with. And I love their personalities and their insights and what they're passionate about for me there's a reason why last week I brought up the question to our guest about manifestation and white privilege. And I had brought up this question saying, hey, like, I, ha- I kind of have some beef with manifestation because it does kind of feel like it's a white privilege thing, you know? Let's talk about that for a second. And I threw that question at last week's guest without any warning And I believe that being two white privileged women, um, it's our responsibility and our duty to to slow down around these topics and to bring them to the surface and also to do our homework as well. And not even as, I mean, I'm not saying that we're white privileged women, so we should be doing these things and diving into this. We should, yes, but we should also be bringing other voices into the conversation. My platform would be a great place for me to bring on someone to talk about white privilege and manifestation and how a lot of times there's this idea that you can create whatever it is that you want, no matter who you are and what body you're in. And I see that floating around in the online space often. And I I have beef with that. And that's why I brought that up. That said, I did throw that question out at her without any warning at all. And so when I realized that we most likely weren't going to have the deepest dive into manifestation and how it could be seen as a white privilege thing, I steered the conversation to get back on track to what Taylor and I had talked about discussing in the show. Because that kind of conversation we need to be really responsible and intentional about and do our homework with. And we didn't do our homework. And after I asked it, I was like, maybe that should be for another podcast episode. 
But I received some comments and, and concerns from people after they heard us glaze over that. And I wanted to bring this to the surface. In no way do I want to glaze over that. This is something that I, I think is really, really important. I've I've watched videos about um, activists talking to spiritual teachers saying, you need to stop acting like everyone can manifest because of all of this. And there was one video I watched a while ago where she says, "There, I forgot who it was. Um, uh, I'm really bummed that I don't remember who it was. But I do remember this wonderful woman said, run a test through anything you're about to say as a speaker and a teacher of some sort run this test when you say when you're about to say something like go out and um manifest your dream car if you just create this vision board you write your gratitude journaling and your lists and you do all of these things you can manifest your dream car if you can think it you can create it um and she had said every time you're about to teach something like that run it through a test like could a hmm child sold into slave like sex slavery could they manifest a car if the answer is no don't say this um what about someone that's living in a third world country that was raised by virtually no one who's all alone by themselves has very little access to water to basic necessities in life can they manifest their dream car if the answer is no don't say that or don't talk about it in that way at least give those people and those situations and those circumstances voices too so i think this is a responsibility as us as leaders to be really intentional and careful with our language and i'm not i i'm like i said i'm taking full ownership of being a white privileged woman my father my mother my family they have supported me in so many ways my college was paid for I had courses that I wanted to take when I was 20 to get my feet wet into coaching that my dad was like okay we believe in you so we'll do, we'll do this for you I I have I've had education and family who loves me and I have grown up in an environment that was clean and safe and I always had water whenever I needed it or um, clean sheets whenever I wanted them. I had I had people cleaning our house when I was 13 years old. I, I didn't have to worry about these things. I am so, 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 so privileged. And I also have had my own major set of struggles and challenges and traumas and fears. So they can all exist. And I love that test that she brought up. And I'm not going to be perfect, okay? Like, in no way, shape, or form am I saying I'm going to be perfect at this and everything that comes out of my mouth is going to go through this test. That said, there are conversations I have stayed away from in the podcast because of that test. And one of them is manifestation. I have not talked about that often. I do believe you can manifest and I do believe in the law of attraction. But my language around it, there's almost, in in my perspective, there are very few ways that I know how to talk about it where it could pass that test. Where it would be inclusive to all people. Where it wouldn't be repressive 
and it wouldn't create frustration and shame and fear and people who don't, why can't I create this? If, if she's saying it's so easy, why can't I do this? I don't want to be a part of that problem. So this is my little, I just want to drop this in so that if you heard last week's episode and it felt like we glazed over that, we we did. And I'm taking ownership of that. And that's only because that probably needed way more exploration before even opening that up. And also, I want to bring in a guest who does that for a living, like eat and breathes and sleeps, uh, activism and trying to uh, create a society where we have more understanding and justice and equality between all people and all races. So that is my intention. Other than that, recently I have been in major course creation mode, like course, 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 course. I have been working day in, day out, creating something called the Feminine Spirit School. Oh, this baby has been in me, I feel like, for years. Someone on Instagram had seen the, all the modules that I already have up ready to go. And she said, you created this so fast. And actually I I technically did. It took me three weeks to create eight weeks worth of content. That said, this has been brewing and marinating and being created and built and integrated in my vessel, in my body for the past six years, seven years. So because I have been patient and I have waited and I haven't tried to force myself to create a course when the time wasn't right, when the time was right, whoosh, just kind of pours out. So let this be a, a source of inspiration, I hope, for you. If you want to be creating something but you feel stuck, I definitely think that in in this creative space, forcing ourselves to be creative is not healthy. It is not helpful. It is There's a lot of friction that builds because the process wants to be more natural. So if you're trying to force something that doesn't feel natural, ask yourself what would feel natural in this moment. It could look completely different, like going to the park or writing a poem, like being creative in a completely different way than building a course. And sometimes doing that exact thing is what gives you all this inspiration and insight to go build something that you really do want to create. So because I've waited and I've spent thousands of dollars with my teachers, thousands of dollars on workshops and courses and and packed my bags and flown out to Mexico City to do sweat lodges and doing ayahuasca in Costa Rica and doing all of this self-growth and trigger work and healing and family constellation therapy and having Reiki sessions done and aligning my chakras and crying and moaning and screaming and opening my heart and my soul and revealing because I've done all this, now I am ready and I am responsible and I am intentional to be guiding you through a program. So I've been feeling this inner call to do a program because I love my one-on-one coaching and yet I can only work with so many people at a time and I've got so much that I want to share and I also have so much that I want to share and teach but in a particular way. The beauty of one-on-one coaching is that we work on whatever's coming up in your life in that moment. So if you have a relationship wound that you want to spend a session diving deeper into, we'll do that. But the next week you may have something business related. You have this idea that you want to create a blog and so we'll go into that. So I love my coaching for that reason that everything is fair game. We can go into anything in your life at any moment and 
you can pick my brain in any way you want and be coached. It's endless possibilities. And at the same time, there's something really amazing about a progression, about starting one place and being guided and led. I love I love the idea of you being able to arrive as the empty vessel saying like, fill me up with the knowledge and the trainings and the teachings. And then you go out and you put that into your life and you do the work. And this course is that it is a way I will be guiding you step by step into everything from shadow work and darkness to your feminine energy and revealing your heart to clearing the clutter out of your life to self-intimacy and physical touch with your own body and pleasure and masculinity and cleaning up your language and your verbiage and your emails, learning how to speak with more empowerment, healing your ancestral lineage, clearing that out, giving back what no longer serves you to your lineage line, loving yourself, your inner child. Like this course has everything. Everything I've been talking about for the past several years on my podcast is going to be in this nice and neat, tidy format with sisterhood. So there's a Facebook community. There is a group where you're going to gather into just like what we do for my retreats where relationships will be built and bonds will be created and you will have partnerships and best friends. Like I just had a retreat and, and already the women are planning their vacation to do together. This has been happening at every single retreat. There are always intentions to gather and meet up and there have been flights already booked so that they can visit each other. Like it's beautiful to watch unfold. And that's also my intention with this course and this virtual group in this sisterhood and who knows maybe this group will even turn into a retreat maybe I'll figure out a way to gather the women in the feminine spirit school to do a weekend retreat together I don't know the possibilities are endless but what is so magical and beautiful about this feminine spirit school is because you can truly allow your nervous system to rest and relax and you feel taken care of because Going into the feminine is no small feat. Going into your masculine is no small feat. Healing your ancestral lineage and letting go of the qualities that you've taken on from your family that aren't really yours is no small thing. Facing your shadows and your darkness and your triggers and going into your your ability to dive deep into sexuality again is not a small feat. I receive email after email from women saying, I've lost my identity. I don't know who I am anymore. I'm disconnected from my body. I don't want my husband to touch me. I don't want to touch me. I don't know how to let things go. I'm constantly thinking about what I should be doing. I don't know what creativity is even anymore. My body was given over to my kids. I want my body back. I want to learn how to date without being either codependent or too aggressive. Or I want to learn how to date, but also date myself first and love myself. I want to open up my heart. Like the list goes on and on and on. And what I'm going to be talking about in today's podcast that we're going to get into very shortly is all about how this work that we're doing in the course, this work that we're doing in life, if you listen to this show and you resonate it, the, the work you are doing in this lifetime is learning how to be your greatest lover, your greatest source of divinity besides the divine, your greatest, period. This lifetime is about learning how to 
undo the messages that everything you want, love, relationship, com, com, um, compassion, companionship, all of that is outside of you. It is all within you. And I don't want to say this in this cheesy, cheesy way, like, just be everything that you want, even though that is true. What we are doing is going into a deeper, more delicious layer of that, to where you're not just forcing yourself to remind to remind you, I am everything I need. I am everything I need. We don't want to just stop there. We want to fully embody that. My dream for you is that you are a whole woman who takes herself out when she wants to go out, who takes herself to adventures and books trips when she wants to do so, who can make a request and hear no and be okay, who can create something like a poem or a short story or a retreat herself and be okay with it not being perfect, but just taking action because that's what she wants. So she's going to go out and create it and be it. I envision you being a lover to yourself, taking yourself into the depths of your own heart and intimacy and opening up to love, knowing full well there are consequences to opening up and being such a raw and vulnerable creature. And I want you to step into that saying, I know love comes with risks and it comes with being hurt and, and sometimes being broken open. But I would rather have a life like that than a life where I'm closed and not experiencing love. That sovereignty, it's saying this is what I want because this, this is what is beautiful to me about living is to be loving and open. And, and you have the capability in every moment to be this for yourself. It doesn't mean that we don't want partnership and relationship and friends we want all these things we are we are primal creatures we need these things but they are these delicious components that add on to the foundation the structure the divinity the whole being that we already are but we must strip the layers of what the world has told us about not being that already so we can learn to speak our truth and make requests and be okay if we hear a no. So that we can actually feel empowered to do things ourselves, things that we didn't think we would be able to do ourselves, or at least try. That we no longer feel a constant state of stress and fear about what others think and do and say. We hold our own in a sense. We've got ourselves, and also we rely on others. Part of being a whole human being who is embodied and loving herself is also about learning how to rely on other people too and learn how to say I, I value myself I love myself so much that I I know I need help just like if it, a child was suffering you would go and hug it and warm it up and love it and say I've got you it's okay I hear you I see you that must be hard when you know as a as a woman, a whole woman, that you need that, that's part of this process is, is allowing yourself to receive, to know when you need to receive and to make the requests. I need your love right now. I need your hug right now. I need you right now. That is, a, that is also a part of the process of being a whole woman, being in your feminine spirit. Being in your feminine spirit does not mean that you are you are everything to you all the time and you don't need anybody. It's the exact opposite, really. It's that you are constantly open to love because you realize you are love. You are this ultimate source of love. 
and you have such a wide capacity to receive love from others. So why not do so? What I want to talk about today is an experience, two experiences that I've had in my life with men and what this taught me about sovereignty and ownership. So the first man that I, I want to bring into this story because what, what these stories are going to do is, is show you a pattern that I had. Um, an unhealthy blind spot, really. So there was this one man in particular that I had met about two years ago now. And I met him online. He's in a similar space as I am, actually. He does relationship coaching and teaching. And... We started to slide into each other's DMs and immediately there was flirtation and cutesiness and compliments and um, my, my mind got swept up in the possibilities. It felt all, ooh, juicy, ooey, gooey, this guy is so cute, oh my gosh, he's so cute and he likes me and oh my gosh, what is his name, his last name, how would it sound with my first name? Like, I, I don't know if you all understand how much I love love. I am obsessed with love. I am a hopeless romantic. I shouldn't say that. That's such a silly phrase. I am a hopeful romantic. I am thinking about love and the possibility within love and how I want to be in love all the time. Love, 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 love. Um, and so when this guy was talking to me, we quickly realized we have a connection here and we decided to get on FaceTime, and so we got on FaceTime, and we talked for two hours the first time, and then we scheduled our next FaceTime for the next night, and then three nights after that, and he was showing up for me. He was leading me. He was reflecting to me what he saw in me and saying sweet things, and it was just like so, so perfect, right? It just felt so perfect. We talked about our dreams and our future and what we want in a relationship. We talked about sexuality. We talked about past relationships. We talked about our purpose as teachers and coaches. And it was his birthday coming up, and I bought him this special birthday gift uh, that had to do with something we had in common. I wrote him a little letter, really cheesy stuff inside that letter. But I was getting so swept up. And this, mind you, this relationship happened right after I had another thing happen with a previous partner who had three children that I never knew about. So I was with a man for about a year, on and off, and never saw his place. Red flag. Uh, he always came to me. He always wanted to be off the grid. And I realize I'm getting off track. I'll go get back to this, don't worry. But this feels important. But this other man that I was with, yeah, always off the grid and very emotionally manipulative, but I never could see it at the time. I was so into him and lost in him and what I wanted with him. He was one of those guys where after the first date, I went to my mom and said, this is the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> How many times have I done that? I've done that probably so many times because you always hear other people's stories and they're like, oh, this cute story. This woman came home to her mom and said, this is the man I'm going to marry. And they ended up marrying each other. Isn't that cute? Well, I always think that's going to be me, and I try to force that to be me by saying those things because I want that to be my story, right? Hasn't been my story yet. I'm not going to say that anymore. So um, that guy, yeah, I ended up finding one night on Facebook as I was scrolling through that he had three children, 
And what I later found out was an ex-wife, but very much could be still a wife. Um, It was one of the more traumatic experiences I've had in my love life and my ability to open my heart. And I felt so betrayed. I was so angry. I was so filled with rage and pain and shame too because you know what after I found that out I still wanted to be with him and I felt shame for that I'm a coach I'm a speaker I'm not supposed to want to be with someone who lied to me about having a family and having kids and that's that's terrible what kind of coach am I for wanting these things still and it took time to move through that it took a lot of expressing my anger it took a lot of crying it took Um, some trips that I took for myself to just get away. It took me seeking out ways to change, change my hair, change my home, change, change, change. I love change when you're moving through a tough time because it helps reset the system in a way. So one of the first men that I opened my heart to after that man was this guy, FaceTime, Instagram guy, sex teacher guy. And I felt so safe to be trusting him. It felt like it was so easy to trust him. And it was almost as if I put all my trust in the previous man, felt betrayed, broken, left alone. And then I worked on myself, worked on myself. And then when I found the next man that appeared to be as trustable as I had hoped, I did the same thing and I gave it to him. And what happened was he booked his ticket to come see me. And the whole week leading up to that was just this like adorable flirtation of what kind of food do you want in the apartment? What's your favorite kombucha? Like all these things, me getting everything ready, cleaning, booking my, my, uh, my, uh, what's the thing called a blowout? Yeah. Booking a blowout, booking my manicure appointment for the morning of, and, Day arrives, it's Friday morning, and he is supposed to be on his way, and I get a little ding on my phone. I look at my phone, and he says, hey, I'm not coming anymore. I had a panic attack on the plane. I'll call you later. I thought this was a joke, so I asked him, is this a joke? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Tell me. And he replied very simply. He just said, no, this is not a joke. I'll call you later. I was crushed. I was shocked. I felt betrayed. I felt shame. I felt violated. I felt fearful, confused, and tearful. Yeah. So I went to my blowout. I had a very cynical attitude. (laughs) Um, After that, I went to my parents' house, and I cried and told them what had happened. And my dad had the typical response, well, he's a loser. Get over it, right? Like, very, like, move on. Yeah, he's a loser. Not worth your time. My mom, very nurturing, being like, come here, baby. Oh, my goodness. And I'm just going into my own inner child, like wanting to throw a tantrum, being sad and confused, waiting for this phone call. So we have our phone call, and he tells me that he decided my wounds around sexuality, right, because I shared with him my journey from coming from that very strict 
Christian household and how I had my own wounds with sexuality and I was telling him over the past couple of years I've been working on them and really coming into my body and we talked a lot about that and that was his own story too. That was his own journey as well because he is a relationship teacher because he had his own stuff that went on with relationships. So it was a safe space it felt like to share that. And he had told me that he decided not to come to um, to see me because my wounds around sexuality were just too much like his exes, his former partners, and he just didn't want to be around that kind of energy. Oh, ouch. Wow, right into the heart. It just felt like I can reveal my heart. I'm safe. I can share. Bam. The very thing that I felt so safe to share and so grateful I could be open about was the thing that apparently kept him from coming to me. It goes much deeper than that. You know, I think that hurt people hurt people. So in some way, there was actually something that was being very triggered for him and he didn't want to face it by coming to see me is my 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 later reflection. I, I actually realized that the day of. Um, the day that happened, I said, this is why it's probably happening. He's dealing with his own fear and... And he doesn't want to have to sit with that and come here. And, you know, if, he, if it was meant to be, he would have come and this would not have happened. And then the journey would unfold. But this was meant to be. This was meant to happen. He's not meant to come. So let it be. Um, but that doesn't mean, even though I could see that, that doesn't mean that I was in my sovereignty, right? There was a part of me that was still saying, I'm a victim to this. I'm a victim to this. Here I go opening my heart and look what he did and what he took from me. That's how I felt. I felt like I opened my heart and gave him something and he took it from me. My story is very different from people who have experienced any kind of abuse. I do want to make this very clear. I'm saying in my instance, I was giving over. I was opening my heart but also secretly saying, you better do X, Y, Z with my heart or I will resent you and I will close. There was an if-then situation. If you don't handle my heart with care, then I'm going to close forever. That is the opposite of sovereignty. Sovereignty is saying, I'm opening my heart for myself, regardless of how this unfolds, because I would rather have an open heart for me than have a closed heart. And so if things don't go the right way, you still experience pain, of course, but you also own that experience of pain. You're not disempowered by it, and you're not a victim to it. You own it. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I want to drop the pin in this. If you experience abuse in a relationship, then it's I'm, this doesn't apply to you in the same way of, well, you opened your heart, and this thing is happening to you, and so own it. No. If there is physical, sexual, mental, emotional, spiritual abuse, this is not applying to you. That is a situation that you want to leave. This is when love is no longer present and most likely the thing of the highest love and empowerment for you will be to leave. And underneath that, I will say, when you leave can be, depending on your situation, the hardest or most dangerous time. So create a team. Have your team, have your backup people, have have an aide nearby to help you with this transition, okay? So I, just, I always have to drop that in whenever I'm talking about anything to do with owning your, your experience and not having a victim mindset that I want to separate the two experiences. There is in abuse a victim, and I think that label can be very helpful for a lot of people so that they realize 
what role they are playing in a situation and it validates that experience so that they have more courage to leave. So we don't want to throw that out if that's what you're experiencing. Now, on the other hand, if you're experiencing something like I was, where I opened my heart and then the other person didn't do what I wanted them to do, and then I create resentment and say, see, universe, this is what happens, and close my heart, then I am not being a sovereign, empowered woman, which we all are. Now, I have a second example that I want to share with you. Um, So... There was the first one with the three children. There was the second one of walking off the plane. And um, side note, there was actually a boyfriend that I had for a year and a half who did a fake proposal. Yes, you heard me. We were going to get engaged to each other, and he put on a fake proposal, pretending like he was going to propose to me, set up this entire night, sent me texts that, acted like they were supposed to go to my mom like do you think she'll like this ring sending me a link and saying oh I didn't mean to send that he sent me another text that was supposed to go to apparently to his sister saying oh she thinks that it might happen this weekend so we'll see like he sent me all these little clues and told me that night wear a nice dress a lot of pictures will be taken he took me to a place to go get dinner a place to get a beer and then he took me home And then we just sat in awkward silence. Um, And later I told him how it felt like there was a carrot you were trying to dangle in front of me and how embarrassing and humiliating and betraying and, and violating that felt. So that was another experience I had of opening my heart. I'm going to open. I'm going to maybe even be engaged to this man and I'm going to love this man. And then he fooled me, quite literally tricked me. When I tell this story to people, they always say, what was he thinking? Like, what kind of logic does that possibly have? Why would anyone do a fake proposal? To this day, I do not know. We kind of swept it underneath the rug after that happened. And it is all so good. That was meant to happen. We were not supposed to get engaged. And that was later revealed. And we're rushing because this was quite a few years ago. And it was at a time where I was still trying to live by my family's Uh, beliefs around marriage and being married before you live with someone. And so we're rushing it, right? This is another reason why I have some beef with those societal rules of marriage before everything else, because that's your entire life. You want to know what this person is like in bed, I think, and, and sexually and intimately. Like, do they handle your heart with care? Do they keep your attention and stay with you when you're being intimate with each other? Or do they completely disassociate and leave and walk away from you and, and leave you feeling sad and alone? Do they, how do they act when you're in fights and you live together? Like all these things are so important before you get this piece of paper, I think. And at the time I was still so young, I didn't really know this. And my parents wanted me to be engaged before I lived with someone and my apartment lease was ending so it made more sense to move in together so might as well get engaged too because that'll please my parents blah 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 it is all a part of the journey and the story and I'm so grateful for all of it and I own all of it this is all of my own experience I am empowered by all of it I am not a victim to any of it so oh wow this episode is giving you a lot of insight into my love life and my journey my story and really this still kind of feels like the tip of the iceberg um Because at 27 years old, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I have dated a lot of people. Lots of opportunities for opening and closing of the heart to get me to where I am today to learn 
the true bliss that comes with opening. Okay, so the last story that I will share is one that happened about a year ago. I went to an intimacy workshop. It was one of my first workshops to go to, and I was instructed by my teachers, like all the men stand in a circle on the outside, all the women gather in the middle. Okay, women, if you have a partner here that you came to the workshop with, go find him. So they went off, and then all the rest of the men who were still standing were the single ones. So the teacher said, go choose a man. <laughs> well, all the women just, ah, where do we want to go? I had my eyes on this one man. This one man in particular I had seen from the moment he walked in, and oh, man, just, oh, he's so cute. So I saw him, and I walked directly over to him, and we had fireworks from the start. Even before the, the workshop even began, we were smiling at each other and kind of just looking each other up and down, being like, mm-hmm, yeah, I see you, from like inches away from each other. Then we go through this hour-long eye-gazing and uh, sexual polarity practice and by the end of the practice we are holding our bodies probably one inch from each other he has his hand around me I'm breathing deeply into him like we're having this tantric experience for sure a few days after the workshop we finally exchange emails we started with emails because you're, the rules of these kind of workshops is that there's no out-of-workshop flirtation or, hey, let's talk about that practice. You don't do that. You do your practice, you do your your uh, workshop together, and then you silently go home. There is no real-life flirtation that's happening in between the sessions, and that's a way that the teachers keep the coaching container really pure and the, the space really pure so women don't have to worry about being hit on. So we can play full out and be in our feminine because there's no fear that later on a man's going to try to do something or ask us out. We don't want that. We want to know we can play full out. You know, something was to happen like you were to exchange emails. It's only to it's only at the end of the workshop when all of the practice has been done. And I, I love I love that they do that. I think it's really important. So at the end of it, we exchanged emails and that led to numbers and we started our own little FaceTime courtship like the other man that I experienced with and we practiced polarity together and we stayed up late talking on FaceTime and texting each other these really sexy texts and just being creative and expressive and it was really beautiful for me to be with someone that I did feel was holding a lot of my wild feminine and he met me under the context of being in my feminine essence. So he was showing up in this, he's showing up in this world to do this work too. And I really loved that. So he flew me out to see him first. And our time together was nothing short of a magical roller coaster of dancing kazumba in his living room to talking about Tony Robbins and what do we really think about him after the Me Too thing and diving deep into spirituality and talking about our favorite food and going to arcade games and playing so that we can win matching stuffed animals together and going to a park where I ended up crying, going to colonics. Like it was just, I mean, it was a wild three days. Um, and it was a lot of me opening my, my heart and sharing with him my feelings about him and how much I liked him. One crucial piece that I forgot to mention that I need to mention is at the workshop, he had told me very clearly up front, me and my former partner, my ex, are considering being back together. 
so I'm meeting you now, and, and you're really cute, and I also just want you to know that I'm talking with her also. And so I said to him, oh, no problem. That's fine. Just, like, keep your options open to me. You know, I said some kind of, like, really cute line, like, can I ask one request? Can you be open to love to me, too? It was probably not that bold, but it was something like that. And um, so the entire time of our courtship on FaceTime, we had talked about this. This thing kept coming up and coming up and coming up, like him talking about, I really like you. And I also like that this other this other woman that I have a five year relationship with. And I would bring this conversation into my community group. So I have this community group with my teachers and we have a Facebook group where we can all share our our hearts yearning and our longing and our feminine essence and our masculine essence. And I was bringing this situation into our conversation and I was throwing my own little temper tantrums and I'm like, he won't pick me. Why won't he pick me? This is frustrating. I want him to like me. And meanwhile with him, I would tell him, Oh, it's fine. I don't care. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you're dating us both. Just be open with me. Keep communicating with me. Even though deep down it was driving me crazy. So I was not in, alignment with what I was saying. I was saying one thing, but what I was actually doing was withholding my truth. The most sovereign thing to do would actually be to have revealed to him how that made me feel. My yearning to claim him and him claim me. My yearning to be the woman he wants to be with. The tears that I wanted to shed thinking of him with her and not with me. And even if this is one month in, who cares? That's how I was feeling. We as human beings have an immense capability to love. Our capacity to love is vast. It's endless. And I am never going to hold back from that inner child obsession with love that I have. I love that about myself. And one of the most crucial lessons I've learned, hopefully you can understand this after listening to these stories, is being congruent with who I say I am and what I want and not withholding that truth and also owning the entire experience. So here's where I was out of alignment. I was saying I was okay with this. I was going into the group though and saying that I'm not. And in a way, I was re-traumatizing myself. I was feeding into the old wounds of, I want to give my trust over to this person and they're not showing up in the way that makes it safe for me to completely and utterly trust them and only them. Surrendering is not about handing over your trust and your heart to someone else. When you surrender to love, you are not handing anything over. You are holding it deeply within yourself and you are opening it up within yourself. So if I was in my highest power in that moment, I would have had to come to a sovereign decision. One, If this relationship is too hard for me to be one of two girls, my sovereign choice is to walk away and to tell him goodbye. I wish you the best to take ownership of my experience. I can share with him how I feel. I can show him. I can cry. I can open my heart. I can say this is what it feels like for me to be in this situation. But the sovereign thing would do the sovereign thing if that wasn't working for me would be to walk away and say, this is not working for me. I wish you the absolute best. We can always revisit this in the future after you've gone full out with her. Or if I was going to decide that that was okay to be one of two women and to be in this toss and turn emotional turmoil, I needed to own that experience fully and not resent him 
right? So there was a little bit of resentment that was happening. I was saying I was okay with it, but I wasn't really okay with it. And I was choosing to stay in the relationship, even though it was frustrating and confusing to me. That is not in alignment. And that was not a sovereign choice at that time in my life. I'm so grateful for it because it taught me more about sovereignty, but it wasn't very sovereign. So if I was to go about this and stay in the partnership and be sovereign, I would have to say, I'm opening my heart here. I understand that you're with another girl as well. It hurts me. I don't like it, but I choose this because I'd rather be in this situation than not be in this situation at all. And whatever happens is what happens. And I will own that experience. So if there's heartbreak, I will own that. I'm not a victim to it because I'm being sovereign in my decision to stay here to do this. I own this. I I claim this. I'm empowered by this. I'm not a victim to this. I was more on the verge of that end. So I'm not going to not give myself credit. I had been doing a lot of work at this time. And there was a part of me that was absolutely understanding what was happening and being sovereign and making my choice to be in this situation. There was also a little bit of a kink there. There was a little bit of a kink in my heart that was saying, eh, this, I, it's not cool. I was withholding. So the day comes for him to come visit me. So I had done my trip, amazing, three or four days. I go home. We, do, we FaceTime courtship. He tells me about his interactions with the other woman and the confusion he has, how he wants to open his heart to me. And we try to keep diving deep into our relationship. And the day, or I guess the weekend comes that he's, meant to visit. And what do you think happens? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So he sends me a text and says, hey, can we talk later? And I just knew it. I knew it. There's a part of me that knew. Maybe it was a part of me that says, this always happens to me. They get off the plane last minute. They abandon me. They lie to me. And there was another part of me that felt like this was coming. And it wasn't because I was fearing it necessarily it was just an intuitive hit that this he wasn't going to make it here so um when he said can we talk later I just sent him a text back and said are you thinking about not coming and he said yes and I remember I was at the gym and I just started hitting those lat pull down so hard and I was turning up my Venge sevenfold music I got into my Facebook group and I said f this I'm so mad he's not coming I took screenshots of our conversation I posted it up my feminine sisters in the group said, I hear you, I feel you, I see you, and I'm mad. I'm mad at this guy. I, I'm mad he's doing this to you. And they gave me that warm, feminine, nourishing love I needed and recognition and validation of, of my experience. And then my uh, teachers, John Wineland and Kendra, were saying, like, love, remember. I don't remember the, their exact words, but they were saying, remember, this is this was and always was a situation you entered fully aware of it. You knew what was going on. So feel what you feel, but don't get lost into the story, okay? Can you feel what you feel, pain, rage, anger, sadness, without getting caught up in what your mind wants to tell you about how this happened and and how you were betrayed and how this always happens to you? Because that is a habitual pattern of your mind, Madeline, This is what you do. You get into these situations fully knowing you're getting into sticky situations with people who don't live where you live, right? This guy lived afar. The other guy lived afar. The man before that with the kids and never saw his family. So I have my own patterns there, my own avoidant 
patterns of dating people subconsciously who I can't have, who live far away from me. That's a different podcast. (laughs) But in that moment, that was the moment, the experience, the teacher, the lesson, that moment right then and there was when I realized what real sovereignty is. And I claimed that experience and I got on FaceTime with him and I revealed my heart. I stood up for myself. I cried. I was a little bit cold probably because <laughs> I was sad and it was right after. But I also found found a place in my heart that could find the place in his heart that was pure love and purely the divine and was just trying to find his path and his love. And I could love that. When I couldn't really love him, I could love the part of him that was pure light and the divine and was love. And truly, to the depths of my soul, I wanted the best for him. And a part of me always thought he needed to find out if that relationship was meant to be and meant to thrive. And funnily enough, we're talking now as friends, just hopping on, saying, how are you doing? And and that's what happens when you're sovereign. You can have these kinds of relationships and partnerships if you choose to still have people in your life because they didn't take anything from you. I have no hard feelings towards this man. I have no hard feelings towards my last partner. If you've been following me for a while, you've been following along that journey. We traveled together for six months and we had this conscious uncoupling experience and we're still very much on each other's side. He's one of my besties and we text all the time and I want him to live his best life and I think he wants the same for me. And that's the beauty of being a sovereign creature is that you claim your experiences and it makes it an endless sea of possibilities of the kinds of relationships you can have. Ever since I had that experience with that man where I truly understood sovereignty, every relationship that has ended, whether it was a very brief one, a fling or, or a long-term partnership, I've been able to remain in contact with them if I want to because they didn't take anything from me. There was no resentment created. I was always an empowered, fully sovereign woman, and it's delicious, and I have me on my side always. And that's what the Feminine Spirit School (laughs) is all about. So if this resonates with you, we want you in the school. We want you in the school. This could be the year you create your real, true, delicious sovereignty, the connection with your body, with your heart, with your soul. And when you go deep into this place, this is when you have the relationships you truly yearn for. If you're single, it's when you start to attract the kinds of men into your life you want because you are being the woman, you are being the kind of woman that is in integrity with what you want. You become what it is that you want. And if you are in relationship, you will see how your dynamics in your partnership change, how there is less resistance and friction or maybe less reliance on your partner needing to do something a certain way because you are what you desire. And at the same time, you learn not how to withhold. So you can become fluid in sharing your feelings without holding on to resentment, sharing your feelings, love, I want you to hold me after we have sex and to see me. And I want to teach you as a feminine creature, as a feminine spirited goddess, how to be able to share your truth, not withhold, and also be in your sovereignty and be your own source of queen and sorceress and goddess and seductress and um, 
witch and like all the different archetypes you want to be mother earth nature everything so feminine spirit school the, the way this program is going to work is that i'm giving you plenty of time to sign up we officially begin may 27th i want to start as a group so the eight weeks will be in a tight container tight 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 container so to do that, once registration is full, it is full until the next launch, which I have no idea when that will be. The first 20 women who sign up get 250 off. And there's also a payment plan installment you can do, which I normally don't do. Uh, with my coaching, I very rarely do that. Normally everything is all up front for six months or 12 months. But for this course... Um, I wanted to create it in a way where more people could join because some people, the upfront thing can be a little bit of a challenge, which is great. I love people having challenges even when it comes to paying because then you go out there and you create the funds and it breaks all the limiting beliefs you have around not being able to create funds. So having an amount that scares you a little bit and is a little bit bigger than what you're used to paying is actually a huge blessing. The teachers that I pay for to do work with, the mere process of sending in the money is such a growing experience. And it's telling myself, I am worth this. It is a way you say, I am worth this investment. It's a really amazing experience to me uh, to be able to hand over money for my own growth. And, and that said, I also wanted to do installments so that more people could join because that made me be more feasible. And what the world needs is more women in touch with their feminine spirit. That's what the world needs. Like collectively, I would say the entire collective needs more humans in touch with their feminine spirit, actually. But the more women we can get to be in their sovereignty and to reveal their heart and to make friends with their shadow sides and to be wild and messy and love their bodies and give their bodies the pleasure that they crave and want, the better more community-oriented, more loving, more empathic society we will have. So if you are eager and ready and you want to be one of those first 20 women to get 250 off, go to maddiemoon.com slash feminine dash spirit and you can sign up. And because it is a while away, um, the things you will get immediately will be access to the Facebook community and a resource list, which is a constantly growing list of books and courses and people and things that I love. And um, I'll be adding to that list as the month goes on. Probably I'll be adding that, that to that list for as long as the school is a thing. And once you sign up to the Feminine Spirit School, you are always going to have access. You will have lifetime access you have lifetime access to the, the Facebook group, to your soul sisters. And every time I relaunch it, you can go back through with everyone else if you choose. So, so many perks to doing this. I am so looking forward to experiencing and meeting and connecting with this first group. And last thing, there is going to be time with me in the group. I will do a minimum of two either Facebook lives in the group answering your questions or pre-recorded audios but I will have at least a minimum of two sessions where you can send in your questions and I'll go deeper into those um, with you in in the group as a whole so maybe I'll do a Facebook live and you'll be able to interact with me and ask your questions and we can do it there together but I did want to put in that personal touch to make sure that you have some time to access me and speak with me in the group. So 
maddiemoon.com slash feminine dash spirit. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Uh, I feel so happy that it's April because April is just this amazing time of creativity, creativity and um, this this time of pioneering newness, this course poured out of me. I'm like talking all the time because the course is mainly audio and I'm feeling so creative. This creative energy is so blissful and beautiful. So I hope you've been experiencing some amount of that. And if you haven't, that is perfectly fine. Feel free to not be creative in that traditional sense, but be creative in a way that does make you feel good. Maybe get in the kitchen and experiment or experiment with a new kind of book, reading fiction maybe, Take a walk down a different path. Drive home differently. Just be creative in your own little way. Okay, thank you for listening to this podcast. I will see you next Wednesday for another deep dive and blissful episode. Have a wonderful rest of your week.